Hello everyone, welcome to what is covenants or covenants? <laughs> What, what is? That's a, that's a new a question. I was going to say that's a new opener. <laughs> the podcast actually is what is Covenant Specialized yes. Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. The podcast, aka, is Covenants uh, because the broadcast is also Covenants, and uh, that's our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And so it's all confusing, Carolyn. Love it. My name. <laughs> I do what remember. I do remember my name is Dr. <laughs> Michael David Clay, and I remember your name. Well, it's a good thing. About ninety-nine percent <laughs> of the time. At the beginning, I did though. I mean, it's like names are tough. Remember, we we would talk, and I'd talk to you about Carolyn. <laughs> and really, I was talking about somebody about? else, and you'd give me that quizzical look. Uh, Carolyn Barnett. Now, Carolyn, yes. whether this is a good segue or not, I'll leave it up to you and our listeners to uh, make that appraisal. But, ah, wow. Yes, it was loud, I'm sure, on the other end of it as well. You know what that is? The buzzer. Yes. Now, buzzers are good for a lot of things. Right. They can signify the end, which in this case it doesn't. Or they can kind of signify that somehow, as obnoxious as it sounded, (laughs) we got it wrong. Fact check. Fact checkers, fact check. You know, I'm going to make you the official fact checker. I was going to do that because I know I'm not. I get into this, like, get excited and probably, I hope, our listeners can understand that there's a degree of excitement and passion and I'm getting into this thing and my mind's going to, and I'm trying to remember all the things in the Bible and I'm pretty confident I've got this thing down and, you know, and and we don't edit. We don't do any editing of the program. Right. I am what I am. You are what you are. Our listeners get what they get, but they should be glad because we're not sneaky. We're not tricky. We're not hiding things. Yes, I feel a little bit embarrassed and sometimes ashamed that I don't know everything about everything because I want to be, again, factual, particularly about the Bible. Right, I understand that. But I get in the moment, Mm -hmm. and I was going to make you the official fact checker because I knew I needed that, and I knew I needed somebody. When I got it wrong, it's better just to fix it while we're doing it rather than like we're doing on today's podcast, going back (laughs) retro and fixing stuff. But Carolyn, <laughs> not only did we get it wrong, but you took us down the road to wrong. It wasn't wow. Alicia or Elisha. It was Philip that spoke to the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, yes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> now, now. How did we get that wrong? Well, it just is. How did I get that wrong? And don't, and don't feel embarrassed about it because that's the whole point. Is I think yes. our listeners understand, they, and I hope they would. Please, please give us, show us some grace and mercy. <laughs> Allow us to be wrong if we're doing it in the spirit of right. Allow us some mistakes and well errors along the way if we're doing it in the spirit of trying to really discern the truth. And please, 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 I apologize. Again, I will always try to go back and apologize if I've made a mistake. I know you are really, that's very, very important to you, Carolyn, in your life. You've learned that to avoid hypocrisy or pretense or trying to be something that you're not, I know you are a very humble, straightforward person. And it takes, I think it takes great courage to do that. Thank you. 
Of course, it may <laughs> be to our benefit to say that this morning or on today's podcast, we, we, brought, we record in the mornings. Uh, but please give us that room, that margin to be wrong because we're really just trying to be right. And if you find us and can call us out on wrong, that's okay. Don't, I doubt it. I would say for sure you're never going to call us out on intention or motive. We're trying to do the right thing. But we are our own fact checker. Fact checkers. Mm-hmm. Fact checkers. Uh, we don't hire somebody to do it. It's just That's sad. Sure. Sadly enough, after the program's <laughs> over with, I listen to it and I like, you know that what do they call so it? Cringe. You it? So you caught it. Cringe. Wor- yeah, nobody else catches it. Cringe. Well, if they do, they don't let us know. So maybe they are very gracious. Cringe-worthy moment, though, oh. when you realize you've misstated something. But you know, God will even take mistakes like that and turn them into something good. Because sure you know what we're going to talk about in today's podcast, Philip. <laughs> well, Philip, but more so, the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay. And you know, I did not know how many different ways you could misspell eunuch. <laughs> don't ask me to spell it. Even though spelling's my high point, I Forte. don't know. Thank you. I don't know about that. Might be pushing it, but I, <laughs> I can't believe. That. When as soon as you said Philip, I knew. I just, I'm really shocked we made. Well, that but mistake. that was the whole point of the podcast last week was that the, the patterns are there, mm-hmm. and you know, Alicia would have done or had did much the same. It was Gehazi, I think, and the leprosy and the Samaritan. Now, what wasn't Samaritan? It was some, here we go, here we go again. I know. I was like, where are we going? Where's that at? <laughs> but the king came to Elisha because he had leprosy and he wanted to be healed. Remember seven times in the River Jordan? And Naaman? Yes, the leper. Okay. Yes. Okay. What was Scare it? me for a minute. <laughs> and then Gehazi. That's right. It is was Naaman. Okay. But the Gehazi, remember, kind of tried to steal. Elisha Elisha said, no, we don't want this stuff. He was going to give him a reward. No, we don't want this stuff. And then he took it. And then the leprosy went on. I think it was Gehazi. Was the the aid or the assist to Elisha. But but it is those moments... Where people come to Jesus, it's and, and, you know, forgive me. Maybe maybe they're just um, I should know all the specific details, but they they begin to come together in Christ in such a way that they all take me to Jesus, and they're right. all about salvation. Right. And this Ethiopian eunuch story, it is it's about salvation. Well, that's what we're doing here. I mean, we talk about different things, but we're all we have the same goal in every. In every broadcast, every podcast, to point people towards Christ, and that's that's my goal. I know that's your goal, but there's a bigger picture to it. But when you bring it down to basic level, that's that's our goal: is support people towards Christ. You're still busy looking up how to spell eunuch. I know. I know. <laughs> You're too smart for your own good. <laughs> I am looking for that scripture, and I, I I'm perplexed now, or I'm not sure what the word is. I am I'm wanting to read that, and um, yes, I cannot find that, but I will not give up because <laughs> I have to know when there's been a mistake. I have to see it through. Well, I think it's in the book of Acts. To fruition. Uh, I, to... I think, but I did look up the reference to eunuch because I knew we were going to go in that direction, <laughs> and certainly I thought we probably would want to explore the notion of eunuch 
as much in Old Testament, also New Testament, or more importantly, New Testament context, uh, because that's where the whole story about Philip was at. But the idea, though, is that a eunuch, in particularly Old Testament sort of era or time, mm -hmm. was someone who otherwise was made a eunuch or happened by accident, I suppose, uh, something happened that caused them to be unable to have kids. Mm -hmm. in, in that sense that they were, I guess with being a eunuch, they were unable to engage in certain activities or do certain things or were rendered sort of uh, neutered, for, for lack of a better word. And I don't know that that has to be seen within the context of either gender, but for a guy, the idea of masculinity and the notion of there being some sort of element of, I don't know what to call that, um, validation, strength, whatever, I don't know that it's wrong <laughs> to necessarily say that. Again, as we sometimes will say on our, our broadcast podcast, is that okay for me to say on Christian radio? <laughs> I think it has to be. It's in the Bible. Right. <laughs> well, gender is important in Scripture, right? I mean, there is he's and yes. she's, and, and even though it comes to the end, and we've talked about this before, where it's less important, there is a place in a physical sort of way, dimension, that gender is important. And yes. eunuch always has that connotation, not necessarily a negativity, like but there's thing. been something compromised. Mm -hmm. and, and I was looking that up, and... Certainly in the Old Testament, there was a lot of physical infirmities that were prohibitive of one being a priest, for instance. And uh, <laughs> crushed stones is how it was the euphemism that the King James, wow. the translation uh, in Hebrew uh, language, would have been somebody who had uh, testicles <laughs> either removed or problems. Yes, castration. Yes, castration. <laughs> castration. Wow, can we say that? No. Well, you did. <laughs> but well, you, but you, looked, you looked it up online. Yes, Hopefully, it's a credible what? source. Yes. But it is. It's castration, and and we saw we oftentimes see that in negative context because it seems to be lose that virility. Is that the word? Where someone's Manly. strength, manliness. Mm -hmm. And though, again, I don't think that the message or the word of God is necessarily directed toward any particular gender and in the end we find that it's genderless in the sense that it has really nothing to do with gender once we leave this world the physical dimension but as long as we're in this world God has seen a right order to things and he set it all up and we don't need to go there I mean that's pretty obvious it should be self-explanatory for anybody who knows the word but this idea though is that eunuch is not bad eunuch can be really really good and and even more so in the New Testament, it was both Jesus as well as the Apostle Paul that commended someone, not by virtue of somebody else castrating them, but by virtue of one choosing to be a eunuch, especially when it comes to the relationship with God. There was an incredible reward that went along with that. And there's a, as I was reading and listening, <laughs> that they had a job to guard the bedroom door of royalty, of royal women. So there's some Esther. element of security. Uh, you know, I don't, it sort of contradicts how, you know, you picture the less than and the not manly to, I'm going to be a guard for somebody important. So there's an element there that, that is um, strong and not weak. 
Can I say it like that? I'm well, sure. yes. Well, I guess it's that whole idea of testosterone, mm-hmm. which would be also one of those things that seems to be anymore these days could become a bit of a contentious issue because I think we blame a lot of the problems in society anymore these days on testosterone and maybe archaic, archaically, in, in a context of, oh, well, back then, that level of, I guess, motive or desire to conquer, to rule, to be strong, to put, you know, to protect, to defend, to defeat, all those kind of things. There was much more natural sort of application because the world was more naturally ordered, but we are now in such a refined place where we don't need those kind of motives. And to remove that, to remove that element of testosterone, or if that's what really is causative of all of that, mm-hmm. might be good, right? Might be advantageous. Now, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing necessarily with the general premise of that because we probably don't need to go fighting in the streets and wars are bad and people shouldn't go around trying to bully people and physically aggressive. But at the same time, though, how much of that is really part of a gender and is there still utility in gender, male and female? And with that, then, would there not be a better way, even if God were intentioned to do that, than to just go take somebody's <laughs> gender away from them, steal their identity, remove it? Am I making sense? That's a very interesting thought. <laughs> well, the Old Testament, God was a pretty male-gendered sort of guy. Mm-hmm. I mean that literally, a guy. Right. And to the extent or degree he is a father, that's a, a traditionally male role. Correct. And there was a lot of physicality in the Old Testament. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of aggression. There were all of those things that went with that. And yes, you know, God could have castrated us all. I mean, it could have, it could have been his plan all along for us not to be that way, is all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Right? Because it was the way it was because of God making it that way. Mm -hmm. But the transition to that being less important did not also include, though, God stripping men of masculinity. It just meant that that had to change from such an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth Mm -hmm. sort of mentality to one of forgiveness. From law to grace. Yes. Or what law might otherwise establish as contention, mm-hmm. righteousness, I'm going to fight for it. If you're not right, then I'm going to make it right. I mean, that's really kind of where we are, right? Uh, or wrong. In our society, we're sort of at a point where we say, well, maybe it's more. You're, maybe you're making the excellent point, the most excellent point, which is the highest order point here, is that it's really not about testosterone. It's about whether or not we understand that when we get into that posture of law, it's fighting. It's fighting. It's always going to be a matter of fighting. And are we going to perceive then any element of grace and mercy to be weakness? Because that doesn't come natural. Fighting comes natural. Well, us does. Our seems like nature is... Natural. It seems like the light on it now, the narrative on it now, it seems that way for to when it comes to guys. Now I don't know if it comes to women that way, 
Uh, but it just I, looks different. But see that I'm a guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it's there. It just looks different. Well, it's and seeing, I was going to say seeing. from the outside, from a guy looking at yeah. it from a, uh, a feminine, a male mm-hmm. looking from a masculine to a feminine sort of reference. I, my archetype or uh, my ideal stereotype of what a woman would be would be just the opposite. They don't fight. They're nice. Oh, but they're they friendly. Do. They're they're loving, they're considerate. See, but I think of those things in iconic terms, mm-hmm. and maybe you again, you got the higher point. You know, you're seeing it better than I am, even as I'm articulating it. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with gender. Maybe it has to do with heart kind of stuff, and the idea that maybe there is masculine and feminine in that Old Testament sort of way, and maybe it was maybe it was dominance. It's not a funny thing, but maybe it was. Maybe it was just that men dominated everything. But I do think there's a better way to, to transition into this sort of place that God's in New Testament context called us to. Mm-hmm. And the best way is to give up all of this sort of physical dimension. To, to stop measuring everything by those laws, mm-hmm. Old Testament laws, and start to begin to see them in what they took us to, which is an order of things so that now we don't have to fight so much. And it became one. I don't know if this is too far out there, but I see it as there was, there were, was, there were two. <laughs> I had to think for a second. It's, too, it's kind of early to think. Uh, I see it as two. And, the, and that was correct. He created two, and in that order, I don't see anything wrong with that. But in the New Testament, it's one body. It's male and female. It becomes one person. Does that make sense? Which, yes, it does. But that doesn't make me feel threatened. <laughs> He's right. saying and that. And that's not to diminish that, no. there's, that there's still male and female, and there's still, part, you know, there's still a, a place for each one, but it's not... So radical, um, old, old Testament. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of the word. Sort of. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking violent, like military. We were talking about that yesterday because I don't know if you've ever heard of this. You might be interested. Maybe not. There is a streaming channel that's called. <laughs> I can't say it without laughing. The Haya Channel. Yes. Like, Haya, like karate chop. <laughs> Okay. Okay. (laughs) Take out the lamp. And so they have these these foreign movies on there. Most of them have subtitles, and they're all these fighting these warriors. And some of them are kind of intriguing. I've kind of caught myself. Yesterday was an example. I got caught up in watching this thing while we were working on another project, and I was looking at it. And and Tim said, "I'm glad." Something to the effect of, you know, he didn't live in that time frame, or it was so violent that it was. It was so basic because they were, you know, they didn't have all the technology, they didn't have all the things of today, and they just had this giant sword or a giant weapon, and that was it. And them and the other guy would fight till the death, and but it was so brutal and so um, basic's not the word. It it's kind of almost like caveman like, you know, it just goes back to this original. I'm just going to hunt you down and kill you type mentality. And I just see that shifting, like you said, and in the New Testament. It's not that there wasn't battles and wars and things like that, but it was more, to me, it seemed like 
you know, and then Jesus came along. It's everybody, and we're all fighting a battle, and it just looks different. Like you said, the male, the fighting, and the women, yeah, to look at them, you wouldn't think that, but I think it's, it's there. It just looks different, but to me, we're all fighting in the battle. It's just, in the New Testament, it becomes, there's a spiritual aspect of it, and the Old Testament, you know, they were looking for signs from God, and, you know, we haven't heard from God in how many hundred years, and, and it was just the burning bush, all the, you know, the mountains, the smoke, and things like that, but then you come to, to Jesus, and it's a person, and it's not, you know, we're not looking at mountains and burning bushes anymore, it's a person, and it becomes personal for everybody, not just certain people. If that makes sense. I think I got lost in my own thought, but that—that's I no, kind of I, just see I think, it, I think, that transition. I think when you were talking about equality, equality mm-hmm. is is a good concept. I don't think that God measures a soul by gender. I don't think so. I think that there are gender roles. I think there are things that even I mean, in a, even in a human one person. I know it's all human. One individual's life, and with that I meant, or as I was speaking human, I was going to human development. Mm -hmm. The idea though is, is that early on in life, it's hugely important that children learn the differences between men and women. Absolutely. And that there be a model of socialization that shows how the roles are differentiated. Right. But I think with that, most psychological studies even will support the idea that as you mature, as you develop, as you go through Eric Erickson's model of psychosocial development, as you, you become more equal. Mm-hmm. Actually, in some ways, the roles flip. <laughs> Women become much more independent and autonomous after childbearing and raising kids. Men become much more family-oriented, mm-hmm. relationship-oriented. <laughs> and that makes sense, too, because at that point, the, the woman could probably do as much or more, especially since they live longer than men, than men do. And probably there's some sort of advantage socially, maybe physiologically. I want to use the word evolutionarily in an evolutionary sort of way. To women being able to do more of that, mm-hmm. especially if men die younger. And then why do they die younger? Because of the testosterone. It's just like really ridiculous kind of, you could get into, like you said, the weeds in your own mm-hmm. thinking. But my point though, and to get to your point, I think that that is certainly all right. You just don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden say, all men have to be like women. Mm-hmm. And all women have to be like men. And all races have to be equal. No, you can't do that. Right. You just can't. Uh, part of it is, again, differentiation is how we learn. And then as kids grow older, they begin to make choices. <laughs> choices to be eunuchs. They make choices to give us up certain things. And I think this Ethiopian eunuch is a good message not because of his masculinity or that he was in some defective sort of way as within Old Testament, crushed rocks, Old Testament sort of context, but that he was choosing not a eunuch as in sexuality, but he had learned a lesson. And this was resonating probably more so with him than anybody else because he knew it was not about whether or not he was a man or that he was castrated. Mm-hmm. There was a message in that, that there was a prowess and a power that was coming from something other than your physical dimension. Right. 
Now, getting back to what you were reading from uh, being online, I, I don't know where it was that you went with that, but, but you know, it doesn't mean, though, to be a eunuch, you didn't have muscles. Mm-hmm. It also didn't mean that if you were a eunuch, you didn't have brains. Daniel was believed to be possibly a eunuch. And there was no one, probably in my opinion, in the Old Testament, that was better or smarter. And King Nebuchadnezzar figured out that Daniel, you know, Daniel was like, had this great relationship with God. But I want to choose to be a eunuch. Not really. <laughs> I've got to be careful what I say. But if it's for the Lord, if it's to put that first... Not my sexual gratification, not my masculinity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm not thinking about sexual gratification. Think about Adam. I mean, why was God? Did God create Eve? Because there was something in a physical dimension Adam needed. But when you get to a point where you begin to realize that's not what it's about, when you finish the developmental human developmental course, most of us come to the conclusion to be equal or egalitarian is healthy. But you don't tell a 15-year-old that. You shouldn't tell a 6-year-old that. They're not even started yet. You're messing up the whole process. And it's not just an opinion. It's not just like social or culturally driven. It is actually something that God, again, has decided, even as he decided the Old Testament was to be the way it was, that captures human development, and then the New Testament is the way it is. He's intentioned in the singular life of every individual, or in the individual life, or the life of every individual, singularly, that's the better way of saying it, we go through the same pattern. But when you start messing with stuff like that, you start castrating people, you start telling people they can't be who they are, or they have to give up everything that they were ever taught, or they're at a particular point, you are going to create a lot of social unrest. And in some ways, that is a huge injustice. Because who are you to tell somebody else what they should or shouldn't be? I just found it in Acts 8. I wanted to find that scripture. And it describes him... as an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. So he was an important official in charge of all the treasury. So he wasn't just a nobody, and he had status. So he still knew he had a need, though. I mean, obviously, because he you know, asked Philip to come and explain the scripture to him. But... I'm curious that he didn't feel, I don't see somebody in that position as feeling less than or, you know, I'm not important. But I like people around me who are looking to kill me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I, you know, I got to be careful because even that word is so loaded in a personal kind of context. I've had an encounter with that of late. And then I think in a societal sort of way, I don't mean literally to kill somebody, but I do not want to know that the person that is in control or charge of everything that I am or I own is going to destroy me Mm -hmm. or have any inclinations that go in that direction. I think that's the problem with our society too when it comes to marriages. You have to be able to trust that your spouse is not so inclined to want to change you that you're living with the enemy. Now, I know that that is a disservice to all the people who are in abusive relationships. 
All the people who have been physically and sexually assaulted, all the people who are with predators, all the people. But I do believe the majority of people aren't. But I think sometimes in a relative sort of way, you begin to feel like you're living with a person that doesn't like you for who you are. And you're saying, but that's what I am. You know, I'm a man or I'm a woman or I grew up this way. And yes, you can ask or you can put that out there. But you can't make anybody do anything until they're ready to. And, and where's the motive, the best motive? I mean, even out of my own intellect. If my wife comes to me and says, you're really being very sexist about something. You know, that you're looking at it very man-oriented and it's not really, it's not culturally fitting in. It's not the right thing to do. And you probably need to think about that or <laughs> I'm not going to be nice to you or I'm going to be mean to you. And she would never say when that. When did that become a cultural norm to say when did that happen? Well, it, I think it has, but, but I'm going to give them the benefit. not saying that I don't agree with you at times. I feel indignant in that same way. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because I think in the end, like you were saying at, at the beginning of the podcast today, in the end, that's really where you should need to end up. But how you get there, you cannot come in and radically just say, if you don't change, we're going to get rid of you. It's that, excuse me, that, well, I'm not going to do it. It's that testosterone. Yeah. And we're just going to castrate you. We're going to strip all that, or it's the feminine. You are not strong enough, Carolyn, as a woman. You are, you're bought into this model of submission, which is biblical, by the way. Mm -hmm. You bought in this model of submission and you need to fight back. You need to be strong. I was watching a TV commercial. <laughs> And they were talking about, I forget who, what they were selling. It was yesterday. Uh, it was during an NFL game, being a football game, which I've always traditionally thought of basketball. But all these women were sweating and they had muscles everywhere and they were, oh, their face was all contorted. And it was like a bunch of them. And of course, the highlight was, oh, I know what it was. It's like a sporting good company or something. All women can be this way. And I said, Sam, my son, I said, none of them were appealing to me. I, that's not what I wanted a woman. I'm not saying women can't Somebody be athletes. Like a football player. Yes. <laughs> right. Or look ugly and they're sweaty and they're, I mean, seriously. Yeah. That's not what I think of when I think of a woman. Now you may say, well, that's because you live in a different era and generation. Or that's your problem, Dave. You are bought into this, you're, you've so. been brainwashed into this model. I don't think so. No, and I was watching the football, I don't know if it was the same football game, because um, I was thinking, did I see that commercial? Because <laughs> there was something that was related to that, and I think it was more of a fit, not Planet Fitness, something like that. And <laughs> it's funny how they put those things in those type of programs, because it's all controlled to in an effort to control us. And we noticed that the other night we were watching something that was like a, oh, it was, a, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Forged in Fire, where these men make yes, knives. Yes, weapons. And, yes, weapons. And they know all the names of them. I'm always amazed. At Hiya. They, <laughs> like the, the whole Hiya channel. Now the everyone knows like what I'm for, for, forced, quotation mark, used loosely to That's watch. That's that Tim. I get sucked into it because then I'm like, oh, look at that. You know, and then, wow, is he going to be able to make that knife work? You know, is it going to do the coconut chop or whatever? But the commercials were... <laughs> 
not just like funny, but they start getting disturbing how the commercials during that program were very much geared toward the testosterone. Very much geared. I mean, from hair loss to keeps, you know, every man needs a full head of hair. And, and then it went to some other, you know, pills that you could order. And then, I mean, and we talk about had, brainwashing. We had a little chuckle because Tim was like, what in the world? And I was like, it's during this program. Think about who's watching Forge to Fire. And that's why they did it. And it was all testosterone driven. And me personally, I was getting kind well, of tired well, of it. Talk about conspiracy <laughs> theory, right? It, yeah. This is, this may be put in a cat. Category. Right. But I think that really what we need to realize is mammon, the devil, is in all of those people who really don't care about us. They just care about themselves and their bottom line. And it's all about, I say mammon, because it's all about money. Right. It's all about money, folks. If nobody else out there gives me any credibility for anything else that I've said, because I'm wrong all the time, because I get the ah all the time. <laughs> The idea, though, is at least give thought to this. They don't care about you. They care about their bottom line. Mm -hmm. And whether it's television, which began all this, and everybody was glued to TV sets back in the 50s, Mm -hmm. 40s, whenever Mm -hmm. TV really started. Took over. Yes. In the home. Got in the Mm -hmm. home. And then we had all the preachers that preached about that over all of the generations from that point to now. I guess at least a couple generations, Mm -hmm. two or three generations uh, overlapping there uh, about the evils. Oh, no, no, no. Then we get not only three basic television stations. We added a fourth. And then we added like another 400. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we discover the internet. And you can pipe this stuff not only into anybody's home. They carry it with them. They're constantly, that's the evil, that's the devil, because what they're doing is they're manipulating you to get what they want. And so if you watch this particular channel with this particular demographic, you know, I don't read demographics. Mm-hmm. I've been criticized about that. And, I, I, you know, I'm not like a media mogul. Mogul? Mogul. Mogul. I don't, you know, I'm not at that point. We're not at that point yet, Carolyn, where we've got to worry about contracts and how much we're going to get paid. Yes, yes, for all of our (laughs) wisdom and and our entertainment value. But, but you know, the idea though is is that that I don't want to read about that. Why would I want to think if this is the way it goes? You might not go for you or somebody else this way, but would me? Why would I want to think about that without also knowing that's going to change what I say, how I say it? And then get into the manipulation of it. Mm-hmm. And feel compelled to have to sell you on notions. Well, if I can sell you on this and I can get that. That's really what that is all about, though. It's commerce. It's business. It's heard- making money. And they they don't care if your family's ripped apart. Right. <laughs> they don't care if your wife hates you or your husband hates you. They don't care. They don't care if doing all of this is going to destroy your body. They don't care. They don't care if you abort. <laughs> it's going to come to this. I get passionate. This is mm-hmm. my, always my go-to. Mm-hmm. They don't care that you're killing your kids if you abort them. They don't care. Why? Because it doesn't serve their purpose. Mm-hmm. And I'm, am I picking one side of the uh, over the other as if there are just two? No, it's all one. 
In that way, it's the counterfeit. It's the Antichrist. It's Just all. Just getting ready to say that. It's, it's all, the spirit of the Antichrist. Yes, it is all mm -hmm. one, but it's all one toward evil. Mm -hmm. And why can't we recognize this? Mm -hmm. Now, if I choose because I love you to lay down my life for you, then what's wrong with that? That's eunuch, mm -hmm. as with Jesus saying, it's better to be a eunuch, or as with Paul, if it means that you're going to pursue that end, as you described it earlier, of Christ. Mm -hmm. One in Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. New Testament fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Right. But at the same time, if I am manipulating the circumstance or situation, if you're going to come in and make me do something simply because you want to manipulate the circumstance or situation to get something immediate in the way of gratification for you, or it could be me doing it to you, that's wrong. It's got to be of the Holy Spirit. He has to lead us, guide us, and direct us, or it's all going to be ripped apart, rent at the seams. And every time in the scripture you talk about something being ripped or rent, it's mm -hmm. usually not good. Right. And it's usually with great love meant. Or grief because we're going to realize we have been lied to tricked and fooled Something we've all drank the Kool-Aid we've all bitten the fruit into the fruit mm -hmm. this is it the fruit of humanism and at the bottom of it all is whoever can manipulate to get what they want and I suppose that there is that idea of the Antichrist. It will come to fruition as in one entity, one face. It will. But it may have multiple faces. But it's still just the, it's the devil. It's Lucifer. They're going to do what he wants. I mean, that's... I, and I used to be... I'm still interested in prophecy, but I used to be a lot more into it than I am now. But... There'll be other faces. You're right. And it'll look differently. I was thinking about cryptocurrency yesterday. And I was thinking about how um, everything is will be related to your um, one way of like your identity or your uh, your banking account. You know how to pay for things. And I was thinking about that about how it's so much easier your ID. And there was a the thing about passports. You know, Tim was talking about that um, and how different they are, how they scan things now, and they scan your ID, and I just, I don't, my mind just goes that way. I just automatically think, and I don't think it's conspiracy theory, it's in the Bible, it is just lining everything up to go that direction, and I, you know, whether it's going to be cryptocurrency or not, I don't know, but it, you have to introduce the ideas. You have to introduce the, they had that uh, tech convention, I can't think of the name of it, out in Las Vegas, and I don't know. I'm not really into. I'm not a big techie, but I like seeing the new things that were invented or created. And there was lots of AI. There was lots of um, things to do things for you. You know, whether it be robots or whatever. But even this morning, there was a. Hmm. I can't think what brand it was. A car that changes colors and on demand. You can change it from black to white to gray by push of a button. And just the technology. I don't know. I, I like I said I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a conspiracy theorist too much, but I just see it. I see it coming and I see it has to happen gradually. The people are not gonna stand for something that, you know, overnight there be a lot of questions and revolt, but slowly and methodically brought about 
it's all going that direction. But and that's not to scare our <laughs> listeners, and that's not my intent. But we need to have our eyes open and see what's happening. Well, that see is the writing on the wall for that, what it is. I agree with you, and that is in. <laughs> And, you know, if I'd have waited for the... Does that sound too conspiracy? I no, don't, I don't. no, no. You're absolutely on it. Uh, at least my opinion. But that's why you and I hang out. <laughs> we kind of see it. This, yeah. We kind of see it the same way. And hopefully our listeners will understand that we're not trying to sell them on anything. We're just right. trying to offer a perspective. We've said right. that over and over and over again. But, but if I waited until the day that I was ready to get it all right, if I waited for the day I was ready to be able to use it in such a way as to be so precise like a surgeon that would just surgically go in and make an incision and, and rearrange things at that sort of uh, uh, piercing the divinest under soul and spirit, a, a two-edged mm-hmm. sword in that sort of, I would be dangerous. And to make sure that I don't have to risk that either my soul or harming your soul. I prefer to be clumsy, stupid, ignorant, wrong, have to admit that I was wrong, not for the sake of leading somebody astray, but for the sake of at least knowing that I am not the cunning, I am not that person who otherwise would be antichrist with intention of manipulating you or what you are Mm -hmm. or what I'm wanting out of you Mm -hmm. so that I'm such the good liar Mm -hmm. that I could really (laughs) insert the knife and you wouldn't even know it went in you. I could rearrange things. So good that you would even want the knife. Yes. Well, I'd want oh, that's the, scary. Yes, I want the sword of the. That's what I thought you meant. I want the sword of the spirit, right? The sword of the Lord. I want a, to, the Jesus, the two, the sword coming out of His mouth. I do not want though the Antichrist. I do not want the knife to stick in, to rearrange, to manipulate. Because I but don't. That's know. the thing is that the manipulation happens when we don't even realize it, and then we're asking for it, we're, and we didn't even know it. I, I was going to send you something. <laughs> But I've learned uh, not, not to send people anything because people then all of a sudden start to label you as part of the, the um, conspiracy I'm not gonna, I'm, insurrectionists. <laughs> but this Robert Below, the guy with this technology that all the vaccines now, oh. the, yes, COVID vaccines. But he, he was on Joe Rogan's program and was... I guess they were talking about that, the COVID and the vaccines. And, and he's been pretty loud about the dangers. But he's obviously a conservative sort of person because he said it's all part of the brainwashing. And uh, it was a great a piece on um, how he identified that really all of this is brainwashing. And, and whether it is as with the commercial, the financial, or the political, all of this rhetoric, and you, know, you can say, well, what gives him any credibility? Is he a social scientist? Is he a political scientist? What's his degree in? He's a medical doctor. What does he know about? But the common sense dimension of it is, is whether it's politics or whether it is otherwise um, commercial fear, and that's what he was saying, is, is the strongest, most powerful tool because it gets to that Ethiopian unit concept again. Because it's even more basic than the other primary drives. Mm -hmm. Mm Self-preservation. But the eunuch didn't do that for self-preservation. He was made a eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch, but all of a sudden discovered that being a eunuch 
He was given all the power in the world, whether it was by the person he was serving in material dimension or even as with Christ. Spiritually. Mm -hmm. We're going to be given that power right. because we don't wield that sword. Mm -hmm. We wield the sword of truth, the sword of the Lord, mm -hmm. the, the two-edged sword, the Hebrews 4 two-edged sword that pierces dividing asunder mm -hmm. soul and spirit, joy tomorrow. It is of spiritual inclination, Holy Spirit though, rather than human inclination. But that's all Malone was pointing out. I, of course, I have to apologize to him. I did not hear the actual interview itself, so I do not want to misrepresent anything he said. So if you're listening, Dr. Malone, forgive <laughs> me. My intention would not be to misquote you or your intentions in any way, shape, or form. But what I took from that, though, was that basically what he was saying was this fear, COVID, has become the way and they're going to get every bit of mileage out of it they can for as long as they can. Money. Yeah, it, and it is. And, but they've all gotten together. Mm -hmm. There was the vice president for Pfizer that I was talking about that. He's not now. But he's saying all of this propaganda, it's lies. Everything, and he's in, I think, Europe. I don't think he's in the United States. But everything that they're saying is wrong. It's all about the pharmaceutical companies making money and how they're going to, and he's, I mean, I guess he feels some conviction to tell the truth at some moral level, maybe because he's got all his money and doesn't care anymore, or he's realized he's not going to be that person that rules the world. Uh, but the aspirations, the ambition isn't there as it, as it used to be. But he's basically saying, this is all a lie. Now, whether you believe that or not, I'm not trying to sell you on either of those. Mm -hmm. Those may be conspiracy theories. And you may just write them off, oh yeah, I could tell you drank that Kool-Aid. <laughs> all I'm trying to say though is, it's there. It's always been there. Mm -hmm. He is the prince of the power of the air. And whether it's just me and you doing what we're doing right now in physical dimension, in a, a studio where we're just looking at each other talking, or whether then you amplify that by this notion that we are going to record it or are recording it, we're going to put it on the internet, <laughs> the podcast, mm -hmm. then that expands our audience, or we're going to actually broadcast that over the air. It's still the same. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. Right. Not because we can't share the word of God, but the word of God doesn't originate out of our heads and then proceed just out of our mouths. It originates as in the Holy Spirit from within us and our heart. Mm -hmm. And then we just report. Mm -hmm. We testify. It is our testimony of. But I'm not the originator of these thoughts. But right. they are. Or if God is, they've done what the devil did. They've corrupted it. They've stolen it from God. And in that, the devil's doing the same thing he did in the Garden of Eden. He's putting division between and he's stealing what otherwise is God and God's. And that's why the Bible, King James, describes it. The thief cometh to kill, steal, and destroy. Because that's what he's good at. Mm -hmm. But let me just remind our listeners, when you do away with all this, you destroy, you grieve the Holy Spirit. It's scorched earth, is that what they call it? <laughs> I heard, I hear a lot of, let's get back to that male thing, testosterone, I hear a lot of military people talk about scorched earth, which means they just go into a, a particular area and destroy everything. There's nothing left when they leave except scorched earth. 
when I read, and I didn't finish it, I'm tempted to finish it just to see what the ending is, but there's a book, Williams, and I, I'm not, I know I'll butcher his last name, Forchstein, something like that. And MPEs, I didn't even know what that was prior to reading this book. <laughs> I'm not a military person, but it made me think quite a bit about scorched earth, about what would happen, and it's quite possible for this. Um, now I have to say what MPE stands for. EMP, not MPE. Ooh, yeah, EMP. Well, I was struggling there because I didn't want to appear Electromagnetic ignorant. Electromagnetic pulse. And it's basically like a nuclear bomb, which we've seen, we know what that does to the Earth. But they instead release it in space, which then causes the electromagnetic current to come down, much like a surge protector when lightning strikes and you know what happens, um, you know, people, oh, my TV, you know, got struck by lightning or my computer, and then it's fried. Well, this basically happens to the Earth, and, and I'm not sure, I don't think it's the whole Earth, I think it's like a certain section. But it basically knocks everything out and essentially scorches it because there's nothing left. And then the people are forced to go back and live as in like 1800s. Transcranial magnetic stimulation. In this case, it's TMS. So this is a procedure, like magnetic resonance imaging. This is a procedure. These are procedures that do the same thing. Small scale. Mm-hmm. Right? Launch it from a satellite, but that's what that this transcranial magnetic stimulation is. They can stimulate a portion of your brain to release certain neurotransmitters that otherwise would treat certain conditions such as depression, anxiety. From an external source, it would pass through your skull, would not damage your the physiology, mm -hmm. but it would render then certain parts of the body to react in certain ways. Now that's hopefully positive. We don't know. I mean, it's been... Is that the same thing as electroconvulsive therapy? No. ECT is to actually put a... It's kind of... That was the crudest form maybe of that. Right. Put a shock through your whole body. But it wasn't specific. It did okay. not go to a okay. particular part of the brain. Right. And there would be a lot of collateral damage. Right. Which is why they don't shocking, really do it anymore. Yeah, stimulating all your body to the point of almost seizure. Mm -hmm. You could because yeah. they, they would they put they put like this thing in your teeth. Yeah, uh, uh, whatever it is right. to keep and they you strap you down. Yes, because you could hurt yourself. So here we go. But if they can do that now, it's not a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. If they can do that now, and then we've heard all that about the U.S. embassies. And that they were somehow, the people were um, affected by some sort of magnetic ray or some sort of something that somebody was doing to them. And it was causing the mental confusion and inability to necessarily concentrate and work. And then I heard of late that Russia has a tool, I think, like that or developing that technology and that China is already in that. And again, I know we can get out there deeper, but at some point, you have to say, but there must be some factual basis to that. Who knows? The United States may be doing there's that. there's smoke, there's fire. But this idea, though, that when you take a COVID shot and you don't know anything more about it, and then there are these pretty credible and reputable sources that saying, in a cautionary way, you should check it out before you vol How many people have done it? And then the Pfizer guy was just basically repeating or saying that this is going to be repeated. Mm -hmm. 
It's going to happen for the next one, next one. But if they can begin to do that with that technology and alter your DNA and your RNA and your susceptibility, and that was really his point, was that this was to eliminate certain aspects or portions of society. Wow. But you know, that's what they said about abortion, getting back to abortion, mm -hmm. that this was all the lady who come up with abortion was, it was racial. Mm. The motive behind it was to eliminate a certain population that really was going to draw resources, whether it was personal or in a more societal or cultural sort of way, and it was targeted toward a particular ethnic group. But I don't know about you, but I am not on the top of the invitation list. I, I'm not a, a tier one or a, what is the, the <laughs> they say the, in Hollywood, what are the like, oh, the, yeah. yeah, the ones that get invited to the parties. I, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of influence. I am, I told you last time about the whole Elijah, I am Elijah John the Baptist. I don't know that I have a mohair suit. Or whatever it is that he wore. Camel hair. Camel hair. That's not bo I do have a bowyer. I just taught it, taught about that on Sunday morning in Sunday school. That's how I remember that. But I probably am no better than honey and what else was it? Locusts. And locusts. Wild locusts. But good news, folks. Right. You can trust me. Mm -hmm. I've got no opportunity to manipulate you. I'm just speaking from my heart. And I don't even know that it's my heart. I believe, this is even the greater lunacy, I guess, for some that they look at me. I believe it's God. Now, I'm crusty. I'm curmudgeon -y. You've called me the Scrooge. I got I'm a man. I have testosterone. I still am probably prone to argument. I don't know that I've ever beat anybody up. I certainly have never killed anybody. Worst thing I did was I shot a deer when I was 14, 15 years old. It was the last animal I killed. When you go up on it and you see it, you think to yourself, that's horrible. Now I grew up, right, I grew up though. That was my, my dad did that yeah. back then. They mm -hmm. hunted because that was part of right. how they got their food yep. and they ate and they'd been through the depression mm -hmm. in the 40s and they lived in rural West mm -hmm. Virginia and there was no jobs. And so I am not, that is not me slamming hunters. Mm -hmm. I like hunters. I don't have a problem with that. I think there's a lot, but for me, myself, killing something is just not in me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to kill people. I mean, there's a lot of ways to kill people. But the good news is, I think that's all this is coming from Jesus, isn't it? Right. Now, so far, you're the only one that agrees. Well, because I'm thinking that the good... It, and our pastors talked about that, actually, which is interesting. Because the good in us... Yes, there's that nature. And, and I've, I've told my daughter that. She has a boy that is... What is he? 18 months, 19 months. He's going to be two in June. And I was like, she said, I told him to do this and he didn't do it. And I said, Macy, you're not going to teach him to do these things. You're not going to teach him to lie. There's going to be a day when he says, I didn't eat the cookie and he's going to have the crumbs on his face. And you're, it's just their nature. It's not, you know, that you did anything wrong. But it's also in us to not... And I believe that's where God comes in. We weren't created to go kill people and, and do these things. Yes, it's in our, our fallen nature to do that. We see that in the garden, what, chapter 6? I mean, yeah, you're sitting Cain, and you blink Cain and somebody's and dying, you know, and, it, and there's a murder. But, and who says the Bible isn't interesting, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's full of stories. So, it's in us, of course, like I said. But I, I think 
that you know conscious I heard somebody say that yesterday on TV and you know it was this secular therapist and he was talking to some musician that came to see him and and he was sitting back you know acting real theological and he said but your inner conscience led you to do this and I was thinking well it could have been God you know people want to call it all different things but it's not in us but to isn't be that, evil, but we were born with that fallen spirit. Well, so it's, isn't a, that, it's a balance, not a balancing act, but there's that two sides to that. Well, isn't that the Antichrist? There's two sides to that. Mm-hmm. But it's the celebration of that to the end of giving me credit or even supposing that I could see it objectively enough not to be selfish. Right. The, not to the, serve me. Original not sin. to make me king. Not right. to make me whatever or ruler least, yeah. of the world. Not to make me God. That's what it really comes down to. Original, or at least I don't have that ability. But when I say all of that coming from my heart, I say that because I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe of Jesus inside of me. Mm -hmm. I believe in the virtue of the Holy Spirit that's been stolen from God because of the way of mammon. I believe that God created humans with that because in time, for time, with time in mind, there was a certain dimension to physicality that was necessary for us to survive it navigate the physical dimensions as spiritual beings in such the effective way that we don't kill each other, right? That we don't end up harming each other. God gave us that. There's a progression to that, not only in terms of the individual's human development, but all society goes that same way. It's just the way it is. But I don't curse the Old Testament, nor do I curse the discipline, the punishment, Mm -hmm. The, the sort of masculine sort of you got to control the child or you have to tell not beat the child not spank the child not demean the child not steal the child's identity you do have to shape it though because it's all lust oriented mm-hmm. when the eunuch came to Philip and he said show me this he knew not necessarily that that was all that good maybe he did maybe as your point is he, he began to realize people trust me Mm-hmm. I'm not a threat. I have much more say about what goes on because I'm not threatening. I don't engage in the fighting. But I think he knew he needed to know something more or even as this had happened to him in his life, this course mm-hmm. of giving up some predominant, really important aspect of his identity in a masculine sort of way, his physical his manliness, his prowess. He knew, though, that when he read that, was resonating with him. Mm-hmm. But that's what I choose to do when I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That's what I choose to do when I abide in the Word, not only Old Testament Word, which leads me to the point of saying, I am choosing then not to live my life this way, crumbs on my face, mm-hmm. murdering somebody, mm-hmm. lying, cheating, and stealing, killing deer. <laughs> Never going to hunt deer again. I may hunt, but I'm not going to kill them, right? I'm not going to. I'll just find them, maybe. Many people do that with cameras. Maybe that'll become my talk when in my old age and I want to reminisce about bird my childhood watch. and my dad and all that stuff. watching. I may do that, but but I want to choose to allow the Holy Spirit, the virtue that God gave me, that the Satan, the devil, tried to steal from me during that very vulnerable period in my life. And and with that, then he did everything he could to destroy the family, destroy moms and dads, destroy the culture, destroy the civilization, put a responsibility on me to make a choice about what I want to do with my life when I am five years old. You want to be gay, don't you? 
Well, even if you don't want to be gay, heterosexual, you make the decision now. I had a kid come in to see me the other day, and, and basically he was going through, again, that Erickson model, where that stage where he was identifying with guys. That's how you figure out how to be a guy. Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to do as a guy with your dad. Mm -hmm. Right? You identify with your mom. Your mom births you. Your mom's here. Take care of your mom. Raises you. But you've got to understand and know about your dad mm -hmm. to be a man. And that's just the way it used to be. I think it should still be that way. So far, they've not modified Erickson's theory, I don't think, mm -hmm. to the point where they've called it racist. I'm sure it'll come. When they get there, and then that, that therapist you were talking yeah. about, talking to the, mu the yeah. musician, it'll become that kind of crazy mm -hmm. thinking. But how do you turn to a five-year-old, six-year-old who's then in love with their dad or wanting to understand what it's to be a man and then somehow sexualize that and encourage them to go ahead and act on an identity that they must be gay, homosexual, right. Right. and that they're wanting men... Mm -hmm. And then as they turn teenagers or whenever the first opportunity or maybe predators, maybe teenagers come to them then take advantage and manipulate that mm -hmm. vulnerability because there are no dads anymore. Because why? Because we've right. killed them all. Exactly. We've stolen the testosterone. Mm -hmm. We've castrated the masculine. We're just we're social engineering. And it's just as dangerous as Bob Malone's talking about genetic engineering. We are not capable of making that decision and determination without it being selfish, without there being profiteering mm -hmm. in some way. And it, I think it all comes back to either mo money or, as you were talking about cryptocurrency earlier, some form of power that money brings to us. Yeah. I've said that for a long time. It doesn't matter what you... And you can ask my kids. I'm, I'm so thankful my kids are the age they are because I can't imagine trying to navigate the waters you just described about this whole identity thing. But I always told them, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. It's always going to come back to the bottom line. And I don't mean that like, you know, like we didn't have money and I'm bitter or anything. It's not that. It's just I see the end from the beginning and that's way... That's the way it's going to go because that's the way I understand the Bible to lead and what is the most important thing in the world without money you can't really do anything you have no power and I looked at that scripture again and the the progression that the eunuch I love this because he talked to him and, and Philip scared scared shared the scripture I can't talk uh, with him and then when they came to the water, he immediately knew, he recognized, uh, you know, here's water. What can I do to be baptized? And he actually told him to stop the chariot right then. And Philip baptized him. And then, <laughs> that's just so, I, I love the way the Bible it's, just makes it so simple. It's sanctification. Yes, he just, he knew he needed it and he heard the gospel. He realized it, he accepted it, and then he acted on it. But the... <laughs> The other part, you know, when they come up out of the water, the Spirit, and I had forgotten about this, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Yes. I love that because he didn't lose it. You know, Philip was gone now and it wasn't like, oh my, what am I going to do now? It wasn't based in another person. He had it in him it, and he went on with that and well, rejoicing. It was reclaimed. Yes. It was cleansed. There's nothing that materially can steal the Holy Spirit from you. There's nothing the devil can do that you don't allow him to do. And then only he can then make the, present the situation in a choice sort of way to partake of that or to resist 
this partaking of that that was would actually kill you or deny you Christ in you or the Holy Spirit in you. Job. Mm -hmm. The devil could not kill Job but he could put Job, or at least in Job's vulnerability, mm -hmm. to be an, uh, analytical or try to sort it all out in his mind. To question it. He question it. He could. Great job. He could manipulate that, mm -hmm. and in such a way that if there's a lot of people around him, and Job resisted, just curved all God the and social died. media. Yeah. Job resisted mm -hmm. all the political rhetoric. Mm -hmm. Job resisted even the best of the scientists of that time period and era that otherwise might be telling him of what kind of failure he was. Mm -hmm. He resisted that and insisted on an audience with God. But the Ethiopian eunuch had his conscience cleansed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or maybe just reset that day to the highest order mm -hmm. of awareness. Not human dimension, although you can do a lot of things out of self-righteousness and legalism, right? The rules, the laws, but, right. but you're going to get disagreements and fighting because not everybody's had the same cultural upbringing. But when you get to the point where you begin to realize the only way to get to where we need to get to as in the end from the beginning and the... In the, the Word of God, the New Testament, is to allow the Holy Spirit to take us there down a unique course of our own, in context of our own humanity, mm -hmm. but with this one thought in mind. I want to be a eunuch. Mm -hmm. I don't want to fight against God. I don't want to fight against you. I want to serve the Lord. Even the eunuch got that. Because if you back up a little bit and go prior to all this happen, you know, and we know the Spirit told him, Philip, to go over there and stand by the chariot. And then he was like, do you understand what you're reading? But he humbled himself enough, and I love this, because he, he didn't complain about it. He didn't, you know, so much, like, question it. He said, how can I understand this unless somebody explains it to me? He, he admitted he didn't really understand and then the next sentence struck me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Yeah. He didn't just be like, oh, well, and shut the book. You know, that was a good story. I mean, he actually knew he wanted that. Well, he wanted more. Come up here and tell me about this. So he wasn't a prefigurement of Jesus as with Elisha. Mm -hmm. He was the postfigurement of Jesus as with us. Mm. But it wasn't Philip, it was the Holy Spirit. And I don't right, know about right, you, right. I, I don't remember much about Philip. Not really. <laughs> Which doesn't necessarily mean that Philip wasn't important. It just meant though, that that captures that idea. If I'm John the Baptist, and I like John the Baptist because he was recognized, I like Elijah because there was fire that came down from heaven. But even if I have to be Philip... And it's just the small, we talked about Horton Hears the Who, mm -hmm. you know, in, mm -hmm. in our little small world. <laughs> if that's all we've got, mm -hmm. he was a disciple. Then I'm going to be glad to sit down with the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm -hmm. But somebody just has to ask me, they have right. to invite me. Right. And Carolyn. <laughs> Jesus didn't force himself no. on us. But if I stand at the door and knock, and they don't let me in, then I shake the dust off my sandals and move on. And and I hate to wax this way. But it's me. You know me. You know how I'll get poetic in a bad sort of way. I can become how dramatic I can be. Nah. Uh, right. <laughs> but this is the broadcast. That's why I Carolyn, identify with it. <laughs> this is the broadcast, though. Mm -hmm. And 
so far, you know, we don't have guests. We haven't the last two weeks, but they don't want to come or nobody seems of interest. And so, you know, we've invited folks. Mm -hmm. We've offered our best offering. And I feel like in a general sort of way, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm not Jesus, but I'm certainly Philip. Mm-hmm. Right? You may, I might not even end up with what Philip got. But I don't think that's a measure of either my passion or my pursuit, my desire. Mm-hmm. I just think it's just situation and circumstances. What good has ever come out of West Virginia? And you know, I can blame West Virginia. And I'm not a perfectly clean vessel. I never profess to be. Right. People get upset with me because I am human. But probably they get more upset with me because I won't buy into the notion that I'm supposed to pretend like I'm not. Because if I don't pretend, if I pretend like I'm not, then I get more followers. If I can doctor myself up to look like Jesus, maybe I'll capture more Jesus. Or if I can put the exterior, whitewashed sepulchre is what I think. Mm-hmm. If I can get the exterior just looking right, pristine. Keep the money in the bathroom wall. I don't want to be that, though. I'd prefer to be John the Baptist. I'd prefer to be Elijah. I'd I'd gladly accept Philip. Mm -hmm. But I may just be nothing compared to any of them. But it doesn't mean I take anything away from them. I celebrate the fact that I am at least joined as one Mm -hmm. in that pursuit. And if folks never... if And this is where we're heading. If... I knock at the door, there's no response, and we go off the air, which is where we're heading. Then at least I have to have the consolation that I was the voice that was crying out in the wilderness. I did my best in my little world to profess, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make it relevant, to make it tangible. And now it's not on me anymore. It's on them. They have to make that choice whether they want to abide in it. And they may vote somebody better than me to do it. And, and I, I'm okay with that. That might take a little while to get the point of that realization because, I again, I'm human. I don't want this to be narcissistic or prideful. But at this point, I have to just accept. They don't want to come on the program? That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that. Not be defensive. Or if folks don't want to communicate with us or even, sorry, WEMM, if nobody out there is listening because nobody listens to radio anymore or nobody listens to Christian radio, nobody likes Southern gospel anymore. I mean, okay, at least we're doing the best we can mm-hmm. until we get to that point where mm-hmm. we have to say, well, I'm knocked. Nobody wants to open the door. I just have to shake the dust off my sandals and move on. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the interesting thing, I had someone share with me a lot of contacts yesterday, and I was, wow, okay. Obviously, I couldn't arrange for that to happen today, but there are a lot of really big music groups that some of which I had never heard of, but apparently in other parts of the country, they're well-known. And I was thinking about that, about how, you know, we can we can ask, we can seek, we can knock, but God has to open the door for us, and the, and the people have to be willing. But we're, this is our job, and well, I think this is what we've been called to do. And John I do the too. Baptist. And, and whether it is anything more than this, again, I'm, I'm okay to, I can be a eunuch. Mm-hmm. I can accept that. But I sent that email to you with all sincerity. I need a sign. Mm -hmm. I don't want a sign contrived. 
I don't want to then put the petition out there in, in the kind of way that we're doing now. Although it's really bizarre because as I'm sitting across from you talking to you right now, it's just me and you. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to eventually broadcast, and maybe it's still going to be me and you because nobody else is out there listening. As my possible, my theory goes, the possibility, the contention might be there's nobody out there. It's just us. But then I sound a lot like Elijah, don't I? Kind of that self-righteous kind of a thing. God, I've done all this for you. And I'm the only one. Yes. I just and, read that this morning, by the yeah, way. It came up in my it's, devotions. It's just... It's just and I one thought of, about you. It's, well, it's just the human nature, right? It's just the human nature to do that. Mm-hmm. I just want to know that God loves me and I'm significant. Mm-hmm. That I'm well, doing something of some value. And I hope yeah. that all our listeners, that will resonate with them. But only God can let you know in that personalized way. Mm-hmm. But I sent that to you. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, I really don't know whether we should stay on or go off. Mm-hmm. Because it is financially becoming a burden. And, of course, the devil loves to do that. He loves right. to... Get you in that place. Distract. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where all of a sudden you have to feel like you have to make a choice. But at the same time, I just prayed for a sign. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the sign will be. Now, if God's speaking to you, little Samuel, and you just ask him, what is it, Lord? Mm-hmm. And then he gives you what we need. I hope I'm not Eli. He gives you what we need, then do it. But I am at a point where I feel it's better that I don't corrupt it anymore with trying to make something happen Mm -hmm. or do something that is otherwise not of God's will. And I prefer this to be, you know, I must, as he increases, I I decrease. Mm -hmm. Again, John the Baptist. I love that verse. Yes. And this morning, (laughs) I was thinking about, you know, they came to that. When Moses and the Israelites, they were fleeing, and then they come up, and all that's in front of them is the water, the Red Sea. The water. (laughs) We'll try to name it. (laughs) Whenever I am trying to say something really good, and then, and maybe that's the devil, I don't know, and then I, and then I forget what details. So they're faced with the water, and I was thinking, you know, if I was sitting there begging God, to help me, <laughs> which I have been in that situation, would I have thought to say, you know, if you could just open up the water so I could walk through it, I don't think that I would have thought of that. I think that we, in our, as much as we can come up with it in our own minds, solutions for God, and we offer Him options like He needs options. Well, if you could do this or if you could do that, you know, to make it look like what we think is appropriate or acceptable, but he has a way of working things out and moving and providing that we never dreamed of. Mm-hmm. So this morning I was thinking about that and I was thinking, you know, to split the sea open and they walk through on dry land. I wouldn't have thought of that necessarily, you know, uh, maybe walking on the water or, or, you know, be transported or something, but not that. So I think, I think God was showing me that there's things that can happen that I don't even realize can happen. So I'm, I'm hopeful in that, especially with my newfound, um, somebody texted me this morning about um, wanting to be on the program, and I thought that was great. And maybe, <laughs> hopefully they will be. But like you said, if, if this is it, if this is all it is, then I'm okay with that because we, we did our best, we pointed people towards Christ, and we were John the Baptist, and we were 
telling people about one that's greater than us. But I'm also guess I'm the unique in the sense that as you read that this morning mm-hmm. from the scripture, mm-hmm. if I am asking, explain it. Maybe he'll send Philip, and it may not be Philip. Maybe it'll just be the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm not above <laughs> or beyond admitting right. I can't see it, God, right. but you can. Right. I don't know That's the... the humility of the eunuch because we don't know it all. We can't see the end of the beginning. We and, can't see the, the water being opened up. And maybe that's the whole testimony of the, the sanctification, the water. Mm-hmm. It's always about water. It's always about cleansing. Mm-hmm. It's about the people being in that position of needing that cleansing. And it's not once. It is once for salvation, but it's a, re- a repeated cleansing. Mm-hmm. We just need to be washed mm-hmm. in the Word and the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as He would speak to us so that, that all the stuff of the world doesn't grieve or get us so corrupted that, that of our own intellect, our own humanity, that we don't listen to God anymore. We grieve that motive. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, if it is a matter of then the Ethiopian eunuch, he learned a long time ago. It wasn't him. It's like the centurion. He said, I know what it's like to follow orders, and I know Jesus, mm-hmm. if you just say it, mm-hmm. it'll happen. It'll yeah. happen. It'll and so, done. that's where I am. Now, you may see me as weak, you may see me as uh, unprofessional. You may see me as somebody who really doesn't have anything put together. And I'm responsible for the utter failure of everything that's going on around me. No, I'm just not responsible for the utter success of everything that's going around me. I just have exactly. to let God work it out in His time. Mm-hmm. And it's painful because I want it to succeed. Mm-hmm. I want to make it look good. Mm-hmm. I want it to represent Christ. Of course, I want to do it in that. We always want that, though. We always want what we want. Yeah, but I don't want to go to the cross. I don't I don't want I want it to be again Elijah, John the Baptist. I want it to be Jesus, mm-hmm. the second coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't like all this. The ugly, the pain, the disfigurement. Um, what has to happen with the suffering that? servant, the mention of it. Well unfortunately I feel like every time the level is up <laughs> have you ever felt like that when you when you go through something and then the next time it's a little bit more intense and the next time it's a little bit more intense. And I feel like that in my life anyway, that it's not necessarily harder, but it's more intense. It's a it's a bigger hurdle. And, and not that I see those things as hurdles, but in that our trust factor has to go up. And we don't stay, we're always moving, right? So we, we don't stay still or stagnant, or we shouldn't. But uh, I think I've heard it described, you know, that we're always moving either forwards or backwards. We're moving towards that. So, you know, when I talk to my daughter about that, um, when I talk to Macy about that, who, if those of you don't know, she was adopted from China and she had no concept of God, didn't even know there was a devil. She didn't understand, you know, anything about that. And so, in having to explain all of that, you know, when she goes through this hard time, and she's had some things happen the past couple years, and then, you know, I say, well, Macy, this, you remember this. You store this away. So the next time when you have something that happens that, you know, you can draw on your faith, and you'll use that for the next experience. I know that's very basic, you know, level thinking, but... It's just magnified in our life spiritually. You know, the, the next time is is going to be more intense, and we're not going to see the way. We're not going to see the path. 
but we can know that we've done everything that we can do. We've called out, you know, we've, um, we went up and we explained it. We, you know, we went to the eunuch, but I, th I just feel like that God has to show us what it's going to look like. When you described that, when well, you said you didn't like but, the pain of it, but of course, but it's going to get, it's going to be like that every time because that's it, right. it, Isn't that what it, it looks like? It can't just like. be easy no. or we would, you know, we wouldn't have a problem with it's, it. It's Isaiah. It is a suffering servant. And mm -hmm. that's where I think with the Christ Antichrist. That's where I was going with that suffering servant. Yeah. Notion is <laughs> that, that you can always tell the Antichrist they don't want this. They don't want what you just described. But you know, you sanctify me. You cleanse me. Not you, it's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But the people that like you, that I can be myself with. Mm -hmm. The ones that I can express my frustration and hurt and my anger. Uh, even to some extent, I, you know, my mind. I mean, I wish that I would not curse anybody. But in my mind, it's still hard for me not to want to harm people. And in and, and my defensiveness. But I tell God that. I don't tell the world that. Right. doesn't mean I'm lying to the world or right. that I'm an enigma or a chameleon. Mm -hmm. What it basically means is, is that I am just trying to not harm people. Mm -hmm. And I realize I need sanctification. When you take those feelings to God. You do. Instead but of harboring I'm, them inside. But I'm still immature. Feel. I'm still struggling in my flesh, in my humanity. I need somebody to talk to. Right. I need somebody I can be real with. I am thankful that God has given me my disciples, or my group, I'm not like disciples in Jesus, but that group, mm -hmm. my, my compatriots, that's mm -hmm. what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Those folks that are, that are with me mm -hmm. as disciples, that's mm -hmm. the, what, what I'm trying to get to, mm -hmm. that I can be real with. Mm -hmm. Because that's my sanctification. Not that they sanctify me or right. validate me, but the right. Holy Spirit in them, just like Philip sanctified the Ethiopian mm -hmm. eunuch. Mm -hmm. But some people don't want that. No. They want to kill me. They see that in me, and they recognize that as weakness and vulnerability, mm -hmm. and that I am not the icon I need to be, and, and I need and it to... It gives them power. It gives, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it gives them power, but it also takes them off the cross. I think that's the fallacy in that notion is, this is their opportunity to identify with Christ in that way that we all have to, in that way you just described it. That's part of. To be like God. Yes. To be gracious, merciful. It's not easy to say, I'm sorry, or you're forgiven, or not to call somebody out, or not to be, some, especially when you're feeling very attacked or threatened. Mm -hmm. But at least cut me some slack. You know, give me some margin. If I am trying to do that, don't just pile on me and say, well, that's proof. Let's just cut your testicles off. Let's just castrate you completely. Let's take all that out of you. No, I need to lay it down. Mm -hmm. I'm, of course, I'm owning it as a man, which is well, not necessarily... yourself, which he, the eunuch did. But you have to do that that way. Yeah, right. Right? And mm -hmm. it's not easy, but I'm thankful yeah. that God does deliver me. And then, even as a eunuch, as with Jesus, and again, back to Paul, talking about being a eunuch by choice so you can serve the Lord. Better to be a eunuch. You wouldn't be corrupted by all of this flesh. Right. The temptations of the flesh. Then I am in the best position I can to serve the Lord because I've already laid it all down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't mean I won't pick it back up. Right. Right? Or that I like you to throw rocks at me. Mm -hmm. Not that you would. You would never throw rocks at me, would you, Carolyn? 
No, I hope uh, not. I hope not either. That's the, that's the, that's the, who. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that because that's the, I don't want to say beauty. People think I'm weird for thinking that's a beautiful thought. That's the real honesty. That's the difference between saying, I would never throw rocks at you, David. In my head, yes, that's my answer. I would never do that to you. But in our humanity, that's right. There may be a day when I want to throw rocks at you. Well, I pray you don't. Oh, I have no intention of it. me, Carolyn. I have no intention of I it. I know, and you wouldn't, because I think even if it's you did, <laughs> even if you did, I would trust that Jesus would come along and start writing in the sand and begin mm-hmm. to ask you, because you do, you listen to the Holy Spirit. I try to, too. I try not to be a hypocrite, and, and sometimes it takes that, that kind of same way. Mm-hmm. Jesus has to step in and say, you know, my son made a, not such a great grade oh. at school. And my first reaction is, I thought you did. And then I remembered, well, it was in that same course, that same class, the same point in my college education. <laughs> such a good grade in that class. Kids have a way of doing that, don't they? And then all of a sudden, Jesus spoke to me. Uh, it was written in the sand. And I, I think whatever was in the sand, it had to be the two great commandments. Mm. Right? To love God and love others as you love yourself. No, there is but one true God. But that gets us back to the whole point of that's how God brings us all together. Mm. Is in His grace, mercy, and forgiveness. He doesn't bring us together in our legality, although we have to know what's right or what's wrong. And we can contest that and we can argue that a bit. Mm. But in the end, it only comes together in the name of Jesus, by power of the Holy Spirit, and under the end that God has called us all to, which is to be one in Christ. Lest we try to be one through any other means and we end up destroying ourselves. Which is what we started with in the beginning, which is where I was going with the one in the New Testament. That's but you have to go. You articulate it a lot better. Well, but you do. But you have to go through all these trails, right? Because this is what the again speaking of beauty. In the same sort of way, don't want, don't want to be pretentious or sound wacko saying mm-hmm. it that way. But that's the beauty of the program. Mm-hmm. But that's also the beauty of coming to talk to you. Mm-hmm. When folks Thank come you. to talk to you. This is how it's going to be. I want them to understand what they get on the radio or on the podcast is what happens in the counseling session. Exactly. Yes. I hope that they, if they get anything, they get that because that is exactly what you what you hear. I know you can't really see us, but what you hear is what you get. And I have learned enough and walked enough with the Lord to know that it doesn't work out when you try to do it any other way. Mm-hmm. It's a process, and mm-hmm. God owns it, and He is the author and of it. And I'm still it. in process. It's, I mean, we all are. As long as we're still on this earth, mm-hmm. He's still processing us. But that's the beauty of it. There's a little children's book, Max Lucado book, um, called You Are Special. And that book is special to me because I ordered it for my kids when I was little, not knowing that that was going to like transform people's lives and it was going to be a big, a big thing. Even other counseling sessions... I've seen other therapists office that have that book on the shelf, like a little board book, and they would give it away to the kids just to keep on hand because it's so, of course, you know, it's Max Lucado. Some people think he's profound. But that story where the people, the little, um, I think they're called Wemex, the little um, carved people like Pinocchio, the little wooden people, and they have to keep going back to the the man that created them, the man at the wood shop. They have to keep going back to him to get refashioned. And as long as we're here, we're going to get refashioned. And whether we be Philip or the eunuch, mm-hmm. it's all part of God. And right. whether it be the prefigurement or postfigurement of Christ, it's all the resurrected Jesus in mm-hmm. us. So, 
You are listening to Covenant, sponsored by the Word House Incorporated Focus Consultation Services, as well as Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. Michael David Clay. With me, Carolyn Barnett. And Carolyn, you have approximately a minute and a half <laughs> to tell our listeners how, how to reach us should they want I, to. I've been accused of talking too fast. The easiest way is to call us at 304-528-9220. You can also check out our Facebook page, which we'd love to hear from you there. We have links to our podcast on there at Covenants on Facebook, Covenants with an S. Or you can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com and you can get in touch with us there. And you gave the phone number, right? Yes. Okay. 304-528-9220. Yes. Uh, who knows? I think we'll be back <laughs> next week. But if we're not, you know what's happened. We'll be back. But should you uh, otherwise even have any doubts, go ahead and at least tune in if there's anybody (laughs) out there. Because we do uh, appreciate those that are listening and those that are part of and praying for us. And uh, again, uh, we just want to uh, wish you a blessed week and invite you back to our next program on uh, covenants. Thanks. Bye.